Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 53124 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. This is a Lip Media podcast. You're listening to all the shit I've learned abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis and I'm Steph Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to all the shit I've learned abroad. Welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea And I'm Steph. Hey Steph, how's it going? It is going well. How about you? I'm good. We were just saying that um you and I haven't actually done an episode just the two of us in a few weeks now. Yeah, we're we're so, rusty. This is we, a few we're a few starts in right now. <laughs> we had to do a couple intros. You know, we had some tech issues, um some wording issues. I've forgotten how to speak apparently. But here we are. Um and this week's episode is just going to be Steph and I. Um but for those of you that have listened for the last few weeks, so as you know, we decided to use the podcast platform for the month of June to bring on guests that can speak to the black community in terms of uh when it comes to traveling because that's something as Steph and I, you know, being two white women, we really can't relate to and we ro- yeah. we really wanted to use the platform to elevate some of these voices. Um and as we mentioned before, all of our ad revenue for the month of June is being donated to charities chosen by our guests. Yes. Um so let's do a recap. So we had uh, Steph you why don't you yeah. go through the recap? Yeah. The last so Tion asked if we could donate to the Sickle Cell Support Group. She has sickle cell anemia herself, so it's a cause near and dear to her heart. Mm-hmm. So we'll be donating a third of our revenue to that organization. Ajwa asked for the Aura Freedom International. So they raise money for to combat gender-based violence against women and children. Mm-hmm. And Hakim Mupu from Hakima Safaris has asked they have a Hakima Safaris employee support fund to obviously since tourism in Tanzania came to a halt um a lot of the people who work in tourism are really struggling. So they have mm-hmm. a fund to help those people get through this time. So we'll be donating money to that cause. Yeah. Um and if you guys haven't had a chance yet to listen to those episodes, I I mean, I would love for everyone to listen to all of our episodes, but if you're going to pick 
three to listen to that you haven't yet, um, please have a listen. Mainly, well, A, because the more listens we get, the more ad revenue we have to donate to these charities. Um, but they were really insightful. And especially with everything mm-hmm. going on in the world right now with Black Lives Matter and just, I mean, uh, listening to Tion's episode, speaking to my friend Ajwa, and then listening to Mupu's episode. I mean, I really learned a lot about my own white privilege and, you know, any ra- you know racial discrimination that does occur. Uh, with black people while they're traveling. So for this week, it's now time for Steph and I to sit and discuss exactly that. Talk about our own white privilege. Um, We thought it was really important not only to bring on these amazing guests, but for Steph and I just to sit and have this discussion, the two of us openly, um, you know, maybe call ourselves out for some of these, these things while we've been traveling. I, I think I think a big part of a lot of this is is a lot of times as we're learning, it's very confronting and it's very easy to get a bit defensive. You want to explain why you did certain things. Um, you want to justify why you've done certain things um, rather than just really owning and reflecting. So I think when you see other people owning and reflecting on things they've done, it's a bit easier. So I almost wanted to call myself out on a bunch of things. You know, just because it's okay. We've all done things that, you know, we would do differently in hindsight because we're constantly learning. Um, And one thing that I watched, this is a TED Talk from 2014. So it goes years back, but it's called How to Overcome Our Biases. Biases? I don't know. Um, (laughs) By Walk Boldly Towards Them by Vernia Myers. And this reframed my thinking years ago. And she starts it, she starts it off by saying, you know, we used to live in a time where the goal was not to see color, whereas now the goal is to see the color and the struggle that comes with it, because that's how you truly help. So Mm. she talks about that, but then she says, listen, I'm a diversity advocate. I go around, I lecture on diversity and I have biases. She's like, so there's no reason for you to think you don't when, you know, this is what I do and I... And she gives examples of her own. And then she talks. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes because I think it's a really good starting point to just say, hey, like everyone yeah. has them. Let's just well, acknowledge them and work on them. And own it. And and I think that's why, I mean, why you and I specifically wanted to do this episode. You know, we talked about it. We're like, oh, you know, is it bad? Are we calling ourselves out? I think it's, it's something that I've learned in the last few weeks, especially, is that talking about it owning it, acknowledging it is helping, right? Mm-hmm. Like it helps the cause and what's going on right now instead of, you know, as I said in the episode that I did with Ashwa, I think you and I had decided that it's better to do something, even if it's wrong or say something, even if it's wrong, than do nothing or say nothing at all. Yeah. So we really want to encourage everyone listening to, after you've listened to this episode and the three previous episodes, that maybe sit down Either have a discussion with, you know, your other white friends um, or just a discussion with yourself and try to maybe, you know, call out, uh, you know, some examples you can think of of your own white privilege um, in general. But I, I, I mean, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about for the sake of a travel podcast will be travel related. Yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, we can start with even saying Steph and I have like we have a travel podcast. I mean, white privilege right there. 
while I was kind of doing some research, just in terms of bloggers, vloggers, podcasters within the travel community, it is very, very much uh, a white community. I mean, it really is. And I've seen, you know, in a couple of the travel groups I'm in, I have seen some articles over the years that are about that are focused on traveling as a black person. Mm. And whenever I see those posts, I read them and I really try to read them thoughtfully just to understand you know, a different person's, uh, another person's experience while traveling. Mm. But as soon as someone posts something like that, the comments by white people get very defensive. Right. And you can tell they're people who, A, are just reading the title too. They're not even reading the content. But I think it just goes to show, like, people don't like listening. People get uncomfortable Mm. listening because they put up walls of defense. Um, So I think, yeah, just get. I'm. We're probably going to reiterate this the whole episode, but just listening to people because I think the most outs. I think it's a very white community in the sense of the loudest voices. Right. I think there is a large community of, you know, black travel people of color travel, but their voices. It's almost like their voices aren't heard. Right, so they need and to be listened to. And it's very easy as white people to even ignore some of those articles um, or posts. And, and yeah, you know, I've seen them again. I'm part of the same Facebook groups as you are stuff. And it's very easy to look at something and go, "Mm, this doesn't affect me. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to engage in this, but I think it's really important that, that we do. Um, And as you said, some of these articles stuff, the same, I've, I've read them and I'm like, while I can't relate to this, it's, it's, I feel like I need to understand it. Yeah. And understand what people of color or you know, black women, I think it's, a, it's specifically a lot of black women in these uh, groups, mm-hmm. but what they go through um, when it comes to traveling. And it was, again, the same when we had that conversation with Ajwa, a lot of those uh, situations that she brought up, I'm like, wow, I, I would never even have to think about these. And in your interview with her, I thought the perfect example of that is you two, Ajwa mentioned skinheads in the crowd at the concert. And you yes. responded that, you were like, wow, like as a white woman, that's something I've never had to think of going to a concert. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a real life situation, but it's also the perfect analogy for really our unawareness of a lot of race issues, even when they're right in front of us. Mm, Right. And I thought what a perfect analogy to, you know, these issues are right in front of us. We're in the midst of them and we don't see them. So I just thought that was really poignant. I mean, I think we've both written down just a few examples of, mm-hmm. uh, once again, our, our own white privilege, acknowledging it. Um, why don't we start? I mean, we can start with uh, w- one of the things I had brought up with Ajwa was even just border checks. You know, if we're talking traveling, we're talking airports. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we said that's a great spot to kind of look around and observe. Well, step one is even just being aware of it. And right. when you're traveling and you get to the airport first and Mupu talked about this, he said, you know, his first racial encounters when he's traveling are at the airports by, as he, as he said, his own people, his own mm. people of the same race. And right. he said, even they have it because it's such an ingrained thought system in that in for people who work in airports. That was right. Well, you know what I mean? So just paying attention and being aware is step one. Yeah. Well, and I think I, I had even said in, in the episode with Ajwa, when I got stopped uh, because my photo didn't look like me, I looked uh, like a trash bag that day coming back from Lisbon and it didn't recognize my really hot passport photo that I have. I've my had British that happen. Passport. 
<laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. But, uh, you know, even when I went through security and I was asked for a second piece of ID, I pulled out my expired Canadian license mm-hmm. and she said, uh, yeah, oh, it's Can- you're Canadian as well. Like, go. And I'm kind of like, oh. And I think I did. And that's what I was saying. I, you know, I recognized it then that I said, I wonder if that would have been a lot different if I was black or, you know, someone of color. Yeah. Well, speaking to that, and I was completely joking about this in another episode, but do you remember when I told that story about how I got held and questioned by the United States Department of Agriculture because I had an orange in my bag and I yes. just forgot? And yeah. I was thinking about that. So when that happened and I got to the front, I'd legally entered the United States at that time. I told them, oops. And at that point, I'd lied on an immigration form. When mm-hmm. I told him, he, his response was, I really wish you hadn't told me that. It wasn't, I wish you hadn't done that. Because I did break the laws technically at that right. point. He was just like, I wish you hadn't told me that. Like, it was very easy. And then I got, you know, taken into secondary where I was sitting there and I was the only white person. Every mm. single other group or travelers in that secondary questioning were different groups of color. And I remember looking around and looking at the room and I sent a message later on after I was allowed out that um, I'm like, I was the only white person in there. And I think the idea that white people aren't breaking the laws is a silly thing. Like everyone's, you know, well, you not everyone's breaking the law, but I mean, people of all different groups are just as guilty of doing the same things. But yet I was the only person and it was fine that I did it. They just wish I hadn't told them, which I think would that have been a different reaction if I wasn't this, you know, white, white woman. Yeah, a hundred percent. You do wonder, like, you know, say you are a black woman and, you know, where were you in the U.S.? Uh, So I was actually still in Toronto. I was at Pearson Airport, but I'd already there's a line in Pearson Airport at immigration where Mm. when you cross it, you've technically been deemed You have now entered the United States. So when I said I had something on me that on the immigration form I said I hadn't, I at that point had lied on an immigration form entering the United States of America. Right. Well, in a country like the U.S., I mean, we've seen there's so much systemic racism that goes on there. Um, Say you were a black woman who Mm. you could have been treated very differently. And same as what Ajwa had said when I went through that, the check with uh, border control with my passport that, you know, they thought it wasn't me or whatever, you know, she said she needed a, she would have needed a, a full plan and a story to go behind yeah. that and not something I would ever even have to think, think about. Now, what got me thinking after that was even, so I think I've talked about this previously in terms of visas, right? Mm-hmm. Visas, estas, all these things that we need to organize before we travel. Now, I've said this before, and I, that's where I get really disorganized. And I, I always fail to check. Like, oh, like, do you remember when I came to see you in Australia last year? And I didn't yeah. even check. It was like a week before I was coming to see you. And I'm like, do I need a visa to go to Australia? And I think they've got, is it Anesta? Uh, well, it's, yeah. Similar. Yeah, it's, okay. So I don't know what you call it. But anyway, see, this is how bad I am. Like, I don't, I don't even know off the top of my head. I'm like, oh, I need to get something whatever mm-hmm. i applied for it i got it within two days like no big deal and me as this white canadian british woman i i can do that right like i can apply for these visas estas 
only a few days before I go somewhere in most cases. I mean, I did it same when I went to Oman. I forgot to look into it. Same thing. I applied for it like a week before I got it. No problem. But I remember speaking to a friend of mine who is from India. And when he went to Canada a, few, uh, a couple of years ago, he applied for an ESTA months before. And he still didn't get it on time for when he traveled there. And it was because he had an Indian passport. And I was just thinking, like, all my white friends that are from the UK, anytime they ever applied for an ESTA in Canada, it took literally, same as me, maybe, like, as in, same as what it took me for Australia, a few days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my friend was like, oh, yeah, this this is standard, even with, you know, my I have an Indian passport, but this is normal. Anytime I apply for, it, it takes ages. Yeah, it's just, I mean, that's, a, again, a very white privileged thing. Uh, I, I'll say, too, I have a number of friends from India in the Middle East who actually say Canada is the hardest country to get approved for. And a number of them have been rejected to get into Canada before. And I think a lot of times when you're Canadian or when you're American or Australian, you have this idea that it's so easy to get into your country. Mm -hmm. And it's really not because of the way people speak about immigration and immigrants. They just assume it's a free for all when really people have a really hard time being able to come following up with that actually and I think Mupu talked about this a bit in his episode was trying to travel with a Tanzanian passport because at his point he said most people don't even have a passport and Mm. many of the people who do it's blank because they can't often afford to travel so just the the really hard time you're given like, there's an assumption of why are you going to another country? Whereas I, right. like, when I go to the airports, when I travel around the world, people just know. Like, okay, you're traveling. You're going to see the world. Right, yeah. Whereas he is a Tanzanian man in a position to travel the world himself. But every time he goes, people question why he's going. That alone, I think I've reflected a lot just in terms of, it's A, it's a privilege to travel but B, it, it's a privilege to even have a passport in your hand. Mm-hmm. Like as yeah. Mupu said, there's people in Tanzania that have never even had a passport to be able to leave the country. And then there's some people that do even have one, but they can't afford to travel. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I, yes, I've gone on some holidays that maybe are a bit more expensive and I'm like, oh, this is a bit out of my budget or can I afford this? But at the end of the day, I can pretty much afford to buy a flight to kind of anywhere, especially living in the UK. And to add on to that, I've never had to worry as a Canadian slash Brit to where I'm going. I'm not, you know, my passports are not on any sort of banned list. Um, I think even recently, Donald Trump had put in the US, there's a whole list of countries that are, I don't know if they're still banned. And this is pre-COVID. I'm not talking banned because of COVID, but uh, because they were Muslim countries. I think there was Iran... Iraq, Somalia, Yemen, Syria. I mean, there was a ton. I, can't, I don't know. I don't have the full list in front of me. But um, but to, to hold a passport to even any of those countries, um, and there must be other countries as well that are banned from visiting other countries. And you have to th- think about those things. Or there's countries that you can't, you can never explore because of the passport that you hold. Mm-hmm. And again, as a Canadian Brit, I'm like, I've never, I didn't even know that was really a thing. Well, let's talk. Okay. So let's talk about a lot of people don't have passports. There's a lot of people who get their passport, but maybe aren't able to use it. And then let's talk about, I think the next 
layer where there's a lot of, for example, there's a lot of Canadians who have their passport and every year they go to Cuba or the Dominican um, because it's more affordable. You can buy an all-inclusive trip which really makes it's better to budget. I think we've always, I think we've mentioned it before that like Cuba, Dominican, these are kind of the, the winter cheap spots to go for Canadians. Yeah. When it's cold, you need a couple weeks in the sun. You can usually find a pretty good deal, an all-inclusive deal to some of these places. Yeah. And I was thinking about this in that if you go to these trips, if you go to the Dominican Republic, for example, it is Obviously, they're very dark-skinned in the Dominican Republic. Everyone who works there is Dominican. So you're being waited on by black people the entire week or however long you're there. Right. And do you think that reinforces in people's minds subconsciously that, you know, just the idea of being waited on by black people? Probably. I mean, and and I'll... uh, My first trip outside of North America was exactly that. I went to the Dominican Republic. I went to a resort and I remember actually driving like from the airport. I was on, we were on like a shuttle bus and I remember looking around thinking like, oh, every, you know, everything looked a bit run down. And again, I had never left North America. So this is the first time I had seen anything that was sort of different. Mm -hmm. And then I remember we got to the resort and I was like, oh, okay, this is this is really nice. And I thought, I'm not going to leave the resort at all. And oh which, God. for for like a, an all-inclusive trip, like a lot of people don't. Yeah. Granted, I was not well-traveled then. That's not something I would do now. I could not imagine now sitting on a resort for a week or two weeks. I think I was there for 10 days. And all we did was sit by the pool and drink for like 10 days, which now <laughs> sounds like my nightmare. But, I mean, I don't know subconsciously if that affected me in any way. I don't think it did, but well, I, I did think it one because time. Because you are constantly doing new things and you are big on, you know, always learning, always growing. I think there's different people have different lifestyles. Some people, you know, work a very um, nine to five, clock in, clock out. They look forward to their two weeks vacation in the Dominican every year mm. where, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of doing the same things and not being exposed to anything different. Right. I just think at the end, something that I've thought of now that I am a lot more well-traveled and I've visited a lot of countries and, and met people from different races and cultures, I do feel like if you're visiting a country, whether it's an all-inclusive or not, there is some responsibility on you to understand that culture, um, Mm -hmm. to do a bit of research before you go there. And just because, you know, and granted, yeah, fine, you can sit on an all-inclusive resort for a week or two weeks and maybe not leave it. But I still think you should understand something, you know, just get off the resort. Exactly. Well, and I think that is a a responsibility as travelers that we have to take on. Mm -hmm. And it's very irresponsible of you to go in blind like I did back in the day when I first went to the Dominican and I did no research on it. I didn't know anything about the, I didn't even know where I, I mean, if you had asked me to point it out on a map, I probably couldn't have done it. Well, and I, I think the importance too of getting off the resort is just the humanizing aspect of it. So, and Mm. you don't have to be the criticism that we receive when we say things like that is that, you know, people presume we mean, you know, go off the resort by yourself and put yourself in unsafe situations. And right. that's not what we're saying. Like anywhere you can do that if you're comfortable doing that. But there's always day trips and there's always, 
you know, excursions and groups you can go on. And sure, maybe that's still through a bit of a filtered lens, but at least it's something rather than nothing. Mm. Um, And going out and, you know, humanizing all the workers on your resort to seeing their lives and what they're living. So I think to go back to your point about doing your research beforehand, let's talk a little bit too about the importance of language. Because this is something I even to this day, hadn't thought of. So growing up in Canada, I was always taught um, to call the indigenous population as indigenous peoples. So Mm. that's what I did. And then when I moved to Australia, I was doing the same thing. And recently with everything going on, and I've been learning so much more about Australia's aboriginal peoples that I realized Australia's aboriginal peoples don't like being called indigenous. But I've been doing it just because... It was the right term in Canada. So right. so there was no malice, no, you know, no ill intent, intent to say the wrong right. thing. But um, I just hadn't thought to look up what they preferred well, to be called. you and assumed. I, you, it's yeah. very easy to assume. It's the, it's the uh, I had a, a friend of mine that was coming to Canada a few years ago and she referred to indigenous people in Canada, which even at the time we were still referring to them as native people, which don't anymore um but she called them indians and i'm like whoa like you you know you can't say that and she but as someone that was british they don't Mm -hmm. have indigenous people or aboriginal people here she thought that was the acceptable term and when she used it i had to correct her and say well you know you 100 percent cannot come to canada and call someone an indian or refer to them as that so i had to teach her but this is where it comes down to you know when we hear things like this that are wrong call them out because a lot of the time it is uncomfortable but there are people and as you had said stuff like you just didn't know mm-hmm. and I, I think I'd mentioned that in the episode I did with Ashwa I think there's genuinely people that are racist in the world but then I also feel like there's a big chunk of people that are just ignorant and they need to be educated and that's where we can step in well, and, and there's an people. unlimited amount of resources also like once mm. I actually thought to look up what is the right term? You know what? And I should say it was an organization called Common Ground Australia that made me think about this because they had a weeks of raising awareness, a week of raising awareness on different issues that I took part mm. in. And one of the days that was the questions. And when I actually went to look it up, there is a website that goes through all the different terms people use to refer to Australia's or Aboriginal peoples. So the full term is actually Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And I learned about it. So this website listed all the different names that they've been referred to over time. Mm -hmm. And then it added context to each term. So what was appropriate, what was not appropriate, what were the origins of that term to understand why it's not appropriate. It was, it was so simple and so useful And the information is there if you just think to look for it. Well, it's almost like, you know, when you go to a new country and you want to look up, you know, how to say hello or thank you in that language, Mm -hmm. right? Like say it's Spanish or Portuguese or whatever. You want to learn the basics. I think everyone should be responsible as well to look up, depending on where you're going, what you should be calling the people from those countries, Mm-hmm. And it's very, as you said, Steph, it's very easy to do that. You know, you might think, you know, and it's again, going back to my like friend who <laughs> like you and yeah, same with my friend. 
she just assumed that that's what it was. Any place that we travel to, any country that we travel to, that is part of the basic research beforehand. So as you're looking up how to say hello, goodbye, thank you in that language that you're going to, also look up what are the people that are called? What do you refer to them as? Mm -hmm. You know, it's very easy. And obviously countries like Canada, we're Canadians. I mean, you can call us Canucks. That's a very acceptable term. <laughs> it's not. I, I had someone actually ask me. They're like, "Oh, is that a bad word? Is that a bad thing to call Canadians?" I'm like, "Nope, <laughs> that's that's fine." But you know, it's good that they asked. You know, you look into these things, understand that, and look it up beforehand. Yeah, have respect for the place you're going to, and um, the people. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so we're talking about, you know, making assumptions on how you refer to people, different groups of people. I think, and Ajwa, Ajwa talked about this is too, it's having assumptions on what people will like based on how they looked. So both yeah. actually T-Boz and Ajwa talked about how um, T-Boz gets pigeoned as, you know, an R&B group, whereas... And as you were saying, people assume as a black woman, she's going to like rap music or hip hop. Right. So I just, I found that interesting because they both touched on it from different angles. Yeah. The one that really hit home for me when Ajwa mentioned it is she mentioned that when she's traveling, she loves to go to music festivals all around, just like I do. Mm-hmm. And I go to a lot of country music festivals and Granted, I've never stared at a person in awe of why anyone is there, but I've definitely, when I glance at people who, when you go to, anyone who's been to a country festival can attest, there is a shit ton of plaid, cowboy boots, cowboy hat. Right. There's a lot of that. I mean, I can't, I've I've never been. The only country (laughs) concert I was ever supposed to go to was with you in London a few months ago to Eric church church i don't even know his name but it unfortunately got canceled because of covid i cried my eyes out Uh (laughs) uh-huh um yeah so i but i definitely do do a bit of a double take so sometimes you'll see people who you know they maybe look a bit emo a bit goth a bit like just different groups who still by every rights can enjoy country music and i do I do a double take and then I go on about my way, but that one I think hit home a little bit because I saw a little bit of things I do. I have the thought and then I go on, but it's like, why that's something I can, yeah, but that's something I can work on. Like, why am I even having the thought? Everyone can enjoy country music, Mm. right? (laughs) Do you remember we went to see the New York Dolls? Oh and my you, God. <laughs> you even said, you even said to me, you stopped mid concert and you looked at me and you're like, I can't believe I'm at a New York Dolls concert with you because yeah. I didn't look the part as like a well, pop music, country music loving but, fan, but that so didn't imagine- have anything to do with your race though. <laughs> no, that no, no. just, I, I know no, you. <laughs> no, I know. I know. No, no. I'm not saying it does. I'm saying, oh, right. but if you have that with me, imagine how other people must get it who don't look oh yeah oh definitely I mean and and you're right I remember standing watching the New York Dolls with Steph and the story behind that we got stuck in Dublin we ended up meeting the stage manager at the venue (laughs) Fitzy if you're listening hey um and I love the New York Dolls yeah I had no idea who they are Steph, Steph had no idea who they were um but yeah we went and saw their gig and I just thought 
I never thought I would stand here with Stephanie Page <laughs> and watch the New York Dolls. But um, yeah, no, I see your point, though. I mean, music and- is music is the universal language, guys. We oh, can yeah, all love different genres of, and as I, you know, even in Ajwa's episode, like I, I said, I, you know, you meet Ajwa. I have never seen someone anywhere we are. Any song comes on, she can sing every song to every genre of every song. She just loves music in general. But mm-hmm. yeah, you give her her rock, indie music, punk rock music, and I've never seen. I I think I rock out hard, but fuck, <laughs> giving me a run for my money. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to make a bit of a jump here, but this is an issue that I've heard about before. Adjua mentioned it, and it was a bit confronting because I really. It's hard to wrap your mind around. So Ajwa mentioned the assumption when she's traveling of her being a prostitute. Right. And like at first when you hear that, it's it sounds weird. If you've never, you know, worked it through, you've never read up on this issue. But I found this article called, it's called On the Sexualization of Black Women and World Travel by Renee mm. Charest. And it really does a good job of explaining why women who travel often are assumed to be prostitutes. Mm. And I'm going to link to the show notes because there's no way I could ever describe it and do it justice without just reading it to you. But it, it, it talks about how over the course of history and when Europeans first traveled to Africa and how, you know, Africans dress differently due to the climate, how in Christianity women were expected to cover up and the perceived notions that Europeans had when they first went to Africa and how those have developed over the years. And women are black women are seen as these overtly sexualized women. And Mm. imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'd read it. I'd heard about it. I thought I kind of got it. And then I hear when I hear about, you know, people we know talking about experiencing that it's very confronting and it's not just this concept, but it's something 
that people are exper- I don't know. I'm not saying this right because I know what you mean, but it's still happening because I agree. Like even when I mean, I didn't even uh, I think because we can't relate to it. You know, like yeah. I think I even used that example that I've felt uncomfortable traveling in certain countries before because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten a lot of attention or just the way I look. I think I use Morocco as an example because, again, as a tall. six foot tall, very white skin woman, blonde, like I, I got a lot of attention. But at no point did I ever think anyone thought I was a prostitute and they didn't. It was just yeah. the attention I got. But to listen to Ajwa stories and to, if, if that was, you know, it, it's just, again, something we've never had to think about. We've never had to relate to. Um, and just hearing it from someone that you actually know that has gone through that experience. Yeah. I, I, I had that experience once where someone thought I was a prostitute. Um, it was in Miami taking a cab to the club with a girlfriend. So we were both done up, short little dresses. Um, and the cab driver pulled off on a back road and turned around and asked us how much. And we were like, uh, excuse us. And he was like, how much? And we were like, no, no, no. Like, we're going to the club. And then he was like, oh. And then he called his friend and told his friend, like, no, no, no. Which Right. So the whole time from the moment that happened to getting to the club, you know, we were, we did feel unsafe. Right. Um, and then when we got there, we were like, what the hell was that? And I, that was once in my life. I right. can't and, imagine. And I actually... And I remember when you told me that story, it's kind of one of those funny stories that you look back on, right? But as someone, a woman, a black woman, if this happens all the time, it's not a funny story, is it? Whereas us, we can joke, we can laugh about these things. But for people where it happens, all and when I say laugh about it, you know what I mean? Like where you look back and go, because again, you felt unsafe at the time. Yeah. But But it was also, I don't know, I guess maybe just because it was Miami also. Like, that happened. I can't imagine that happening in places where, A, people are already kind of worried for your safety just Mm because you're in a totally different, you know, culture. You're in a totally different country. Whereas, I mean, Miami's not culturally that different from Canada. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, but it's one of those things where sometimes we might have these uncomfortable situations traveling. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's as women or just in general, but we can kind of laugh about them. But I, I can't even, I can't think of a time or a story. And I've, you know, again, I've had a handful of incidences happen while I'm traveling, but that, that I look back on now and I'm like, Oh, what a laugh that was. Whereas if you're black or, uh, or a person of color and you've had traumatic experiences, you don't look back on those and laugh about it. No. You know? Well, and, and even by the sounds from the stories she was telling, it was like, for us, that was a, for me, that was a one-off. Whereas for her, it's like, you know, people she's meeting at the pool have that perception where it's like, oh. I, and I that's, just, what I, that's what I mean. Like, imagine, Steph, you and I, imagine we get into a bit of a, you know, a, a, a lip session or a brawl with someone at a pool. You and I would look back at it and be like, oh, wasn't that funny? It's someone like Ajwa or, well, anyone. I'm, and I'm sure there's so many people that have so many of these stories. It's not funny. And it's life for them. And it and, and the idea that it could deter anyone from traveling again and going, do you know what? Frankly, I'm sick of this. I don't want to go to another country. Mm-hmm. Um, and even talking about, I mean, Steph, are there any countries on your list that you would not go to because you would be too worried about discrimination? 
I mean, I know there's countries. There's safety, definitely countries yeah. it's for safety issues, just in general. I'm not about to go buy a, a, a plane ticket to go to Syria tomorrow. Yeah. I would love to. I would love to go to Syria. It's. I've heard it's. It was very beautiful. But um, because again, we a- we actually asked Ajwa and Mupu, and they both brought up the same country, Poland. I liked when Mupu talked about it because he said too when he was talking about when he went to buy vodka in Poland how uh, mm. like um <laughs> how very Polish and I love uh, yeah. that he's getting down with the culture <laughs> while he's there. <laughs> Um, but he talked about when they asked for his passport and everyone behind him in line spoke up. I like yeah. how he, well, he said, he's like, you know, I was so grateful for everyone that spoke up. And that is where our responsibility comes in to speak up when we see it, because often it is these subtle kind of things. It's not overt. It's, mm. you know, being asked for a passport when no one else is and speaking up. So I think, yeah. Just consciously being aware and then speaking up when the opportunity arises, we can always be, you know, learning and growing and doing better. And I think that's really what we need to strive towards. I have a, a story that, that that just reminded me of in terms of speaking up. So I, okay. again, I, I've been reflecting on this the last few weeks and I'm like, you know, have I done enough traveling or not traveling? And I remember being at a festival in the UK and, you know, for those of the have been to UK festivals they always have like a fancy well not all of them but this one did it was like a fancy dress night and yep. when I say fancy dress in the UK that means like dress up like costume not dress up in yep. like a gown which I used to think that's what it meant anyways um so this one night everyone had to dress up from like a movie or something anyways I'm in the bathroom and there was this girl that was dressed up as Whoopi Goldberg from Sister Act Mm-hmm. But she had done full-on blackface. Ooh. And I'm standing in the bathroom, like, washing my hands, just kind of looking at the girl. And I was like, oh, do I say something? Because, you know, like, it's one of those things that you're like, this is going to be a really uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think I was probably a few drinks in at that point. And I'm like, do you know what? I am going to say something. So I just said to the girl, hey, I don't know if you know. And I, you know, brought up blackface and... She didn't know. She thought it was perfectly acceptable to be... Because she said to me, she's like, well, I'm dressed as Whoopi Goldberg and she's black. So I just thought I would do the whole... And I'm like, yeah, but you could have done Whoopi Goldberg without the blackface. Um, So I told her, I said, look, I think you should just look up blackface, understand it, because this... A lot of people... Yeah, a lot of people would find this really offensive. And granted, we were in a very small town in the UK. So it's not like we were in London. I even said to her, I said, if you... You know, where I live in South London, I'm like, if you walked around with that, not good, not good. God bless. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, it's not gonna, it's not gonna fly. But then I was, I was then approached by uh, the guy running the festival like an hour later and he was like, oh, you've gone and made the poor girl cry. Like she said, you called oh. her a racist. This and I'm like, I never called her racist. I was just, I, I educated her on. So it was one of those. I'm just picturing you educating her because you are a very intimidating person. I'm not. You are. There's times you say things to me and I've known you, I feel like our whole life now. And where I'm like, she has no idea how bitchy she's being right now. Oh my God. Well, I'm not. Guys, I'm not a bitch. As Steph has said, I'm just. You're not a bitch. When I get a point in, I'm very passionate about certain things. Okay. So. 
I would imagine this girl, I was probably just being a bit passionate and yes. fair play. I should have been. Yeah. But anyway, so then <laughs> apparently I made oh. her cry. But do you know Talking- what? I thought about it after and I'm like, so good. She what? cried. She felt something. She probably learned something. And I would hope that that girl has never done blackface again. So guys, if you see people doing this, call them out. Yeah. Just like yeah. someone should have called out our prime minister, Justin Trudeau, for doing it back <laughs> in the day. And I'll call that out. Fuck off, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> I think to reading about because here's the thing I've talked to about a few people now is we're living in a time where we're not addressing one issue at a time. So there's a lot of world issues. Everyone's speaking up and standing out about historical injustices and it can get very overwhelming. Right. But I think the trick is, is not you can't take on the world's problems on your own shoulders, but you can read about it and change everything within your, you can change what's within your power to change. We're going off on little tangents here, which I think are good, but let's bring it back a little. So yeah. we should start traveled. another podcast where we just we- talk about like social issues maybe i mean let us know guys if you think steph and i i don't think we're educated enough to do that but <laughs> no maybe. i don't think we are either. <laughs> but so we've traveled now we've gone through the airport we're in the country we're on the resorts we're going off the resort what's next so i think a couple of the things i brought up um again recognizing white privilege and things that i've definitely done so a couple things i have firstly um taking photos of people in different countries of different races. So I'm sure we've all done it. We've been in, you know, whatever country it might be. We see somebody that looks different, whether it's say it's uh, someone working in a, a market or a homeless person or whatever. And we say, Oh, this person looks different to us. I'm going to take a photo of them. And I've seen tourists like go right up in people's faces and just take a photo. Like they're like, they're entitled to do so. Yeah. And I remember a couple instances, just me being a white person in Sri Lanka and another time in Rome where I had people taking photos of me. Yeah. And how uncomfortable, I had that in India. Yeah. And how uncomfortable that made me. Now, not in a way, and I'm not saying as a white person, like, oh, I'm the same. This is, but I'm just saying, like, I, I just remember how it made me feel. And it made me think of all the times I had done it when I first started traveling back in the day. And I thought, well, if I feel uncomfortable, people taking photos of me without asking all the times I've done it, guys, it's not acceptable anywhere you go. You guys should be asking permission. I know. I remember when, when uh, you were with me, actually, Andrea, Mm. no, you weren't, you hadn't arrived yet. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, was I? I don't don't remember this, but okay. In in Egypt, in Cairo, I did a day tour of a number of the largest mosques and I was with a traveler I actually met in Tanzania at Mupu's house. Mm. Um, he was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, also staying with Mupu, and then we crossed paths again in Cairo. And we went, we did this mosque tour, and you know these buildings are stunning, right? And we got in there, and you're allowed to take photos, but there were people who were deep in prayer. And oh, I he, think you've told this story before. Yeah. I have. And he yeah. was going up and I'm sure they were stunning photos because his photography is like nothing I've seen before. But yeah. I remember actually at one point I went and hid behind one of the pillars because I was so embarrassed. He was just taking photos of people, you know, in one of their most deepest vulnerable contemplative states while praying. 
without their per- and I was like oh like it just it physically makes me uncomfortable remembering well, it and I feel like as as white people I feel like we do go to some of these countries a lot of them developing countries he wasn't even white he was and, Asian well too. well <laughs> Well, I mean, I, maybe not him as, as an example, but yeah. And it's like, we feel like, and again, it's probably a subconscious thing, but we're going there, we're spending money and we're going to, you know, we're, we're giving money to their economy. Tourism is their economy. So me taking a photo of someone, it's acceptable and I'm entitled to it because I'm putting mm-hmm. money. Like that's where I think sometimes we are visiting, we are visitors there. Um, and just we are visitors try- in someone else's home. Yep. In someone else's home. And try to think how you would feel. And again, I, I'm, I don't know if anyone else has had that experience before where you're getting people taking photos of you without your permission, how uncomfortable it feels. Because again, I've been there just <laughs> as an Amazonian, very tall, blonde woman. I mean, I get it. I stick out. But I've had people take photos of me and it's very uncomfortable. And imagine yeah. now as a minority... Well, you're not, they're not, they're not a minority in their own country. You're the minority, but you are not entitled to do that. Any photo you want to take of someone, you make sure that you ask them. Yeah. If, if they don't understand you, if you're speaking English, English, find someone that can translate Mm -hmm. because you should always be asking permission before you take a photo of anyone, whether it's, you know, afar, up close. I just, it's, and again, it's something I didn't used to think of back in the day but until it kind of happened to me I'm like oh wow that's weird oh this isn't a nice feeling and again speaking up when you see that happening so when I was in Mumbai I went to this place called Elephanta Island and there were these men who were aggressively taking photos of me and Mm -hmm. my tour guide went over to them and ripped them a new one really and they were arguing with him saying if I didn't want my photo taken I shouldn't be there and he was like just ripping them a new one and I was so grateful for him speaking out because a there was a language barrier even if I said something it wouldn't have made sense to them but I was like it just it felt so good having someone say you know right hey you shouldn't be doing that so since then too I really when I see it I say something now you know uh, yeah it's like you said some people wouldn't feel comfortable being like do you know what I don't want a photo being taken of me um Mm -hmm. and again especially in a lot of uh, you know we're talking some of these countries that they are almost in their minds like they see tourists especially white tourists white Mm -hmm. people and they're just like oh great they're here spending money I feel like I sh- I have like I'm sure some of them feel like they have to kind of go along with it and they don't. Um the other point I wanted to bring up and this is also something I've caught myself doing in some countries where I'm like why am I doing this? This is absolutely ridiculous, but haggling. Mm. So, you know when you go to a market or you get into a tuk-tuk in Thailand or I mean I have found myself where I'm haggling what is like the equivalent for the sake of it because I can and it's the equivalent of like a pound like to me it's a pound and I'm doing that because I'm like I'm a white tourist and I can and I get that the whole haggling thing and you read it on travel blogs all the time and certain countries that you're going to and they say it's a big part of it you know you're gonna go shopping you haggle down the price um what's the other word for haggling I keep saying haggling but 
I think it's haggling, like bartering. It is or? bartering. That's it. Bartering. It's not bartering. Bartering is trading item for item. Oh, you're right. Okay. Well, <laughs> haggling. I'll just keep saying haggling then. Yeah. Um, haggle, haggle, haggle. Like, and I get that it's part of the experience. And yes, there's times like, you know, they are overcharging you for certain things. But guys, if you're going to sit there and go back and forth with someone, I'm buying a bunch of cheap souvenirs anyways and you're going back and forth on what's the equivalent to you know a dollar two dollars for you like when you save two dollars in australia (laughs) yes (laughs) granted i didn't feel bad doing it in australia because australia is a very rich country and very expensive I mean, there's some countries I've gone, like in Thailand, Thailand's a great example. Like we talk, you know, sometimes we, we love reveling in the fact that we've gone to these countries and you're like, oh, it's so cheap. It's so cheap. Well, think about the people there and the money that they make and how they're living, you yeah. know, and if you start haggling, what's the equivalent of a dollar, two dollars, a pound, two pounds to you, that's your white privilege kicking in. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's true. Acknowledge it. No, I'm just laughing listening to this one because I can't hang over shit. Like, no, people can, you can't. People look at me and they know. They're like, this bitch will pay double. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, um, except you overpay for so things. So, yeah, I typically, when I'm, you know, when I was in India, that's a great example of where people really do that. I'll organize cars and I'll say, okay, how much is this car going to be? I prearrange the price so that I'm paying a fair price. So I'd always have like someone who worked where I was staying organize it. So I knew I was getting a fair price. They weren't completely ripping me off. Um, but then I knew what price to pay when it ended. Right. So the price. So even if they tried to pay the price, I'd be like, no, it was agreed in advance. Here's that money. So to protect myself. Cause yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I, in Morocco, I remember a girlfriend in Morocco was haggling, you know, over every little thing. And it was, you know, arguing 10 cents versus five cents and i was just like, for the sake of it and that's the yeah thing, why for the sake of it you know and that and that's it like it's one i get it it's understand what a fair price is yeah but if you're haggling with these people for the sake of it because someone told you that's what you do there reckon mm-hmm. like check yourself check yourself yeah. on your white privilege and you know you could be haggling with a woman who's trying to feed her children that night for dinner and you're going back and forth on what again is worth to you nothing but to her and then you walk lot. away smiling feeling right. so good and smug about yourself right like yeah Ugh, check yourself I'm, get- guys. I'm getting fired up right now I know. And and I've had to, I mean, to be honest, like the whole haggling back and forth. Again, granted, the Australian one, that guy was ripping me off. Steph, you yeah, he was, me he up was. on that. Massively. <laughs> like, and, I, and we even came back and I got $2 off of it and I didn't even try to argue. I was like, I can't be bothered. I mean, most yeah. of the time I'll do a little haggling, but I'm like, I can't be bothered. But I know some people that will sit there for forever oh, yeah. until they get the price they will because they know they'll get it. Again, as white people going into some of these countries, like understand that this is their livelihood. And for us, we're just over there on vacation trying to get, trying to buy a few knickknacks that we know are worth nothing. But, you know, if you're going to spend a couple dollars anyways, just give them the extra dollar. Yeah. And don't be, don't be that guy. (laughs) (laughs) There's, you know, we talked about a lot of different things, whether it's at airports, going to countries, just appreciating your passport and your visas and, you know, how maybe some new ways to think or behave while you're in other countries. And I think the point, I said it at the get-go, that we want to drive home is to listen to people's experiences and just 
reflect on how you've behaved and how you can maybe change that or tweak that behavior a bit to be better. Yeah. We just, and we should always be striving to be better in every facet of our life. And this is one of those. And mm-hmm. for those of you listening that are white, acknowledge your white privilege. Why do people, people, I know I'm going on a tangent, but why does that term make people so uncomfortable? <laughs> like, I think about people have no problem being like, yeah, I was born in Canada. That's, you know, I'm so lucky to be born in Canada. It's such a privilege to be Canadian. Mm-hmm. People have no problem with that. But as soon as you say white, they're like, ooh, don't attack me. <laughs> like, it's just another way you were born. Yeah. It, exactly. And I think, but right now, though, the, the whole idea is to be having these uncomfortable feelings and thoughts. And um, it's a good thing, though, you know? So I want yeah. everyone listening, especially our, our, our white listeners, think back. Think back at some places that you've traveled to where you can think of a situation that you might have been in that's, you know, worked out for you because of your white privilege. I want everyone to do some homework this week and then research. And I want everyone also to go online and read an article from someone that is black from the travel community. Yeah, good, good. I like that. And we're going to link to lots in the show notes. So if you want to make it really easy, click those links. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. I think we're going to have a lighthearted one next week. I know it's been, it's been a pretty heavy month and I think very rightfully so great conversations happening and we need to keep those conversations happening. Yes. So just because we're not talking about it on the podcast after this episode doesn't mean that we're not still educating ourselves and doing our part. So um, yeah, we really hope that you guys have enjoyed the last four episodes Yep. And we will see you next week. See you guys next week. All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit Have Learned Abroad Pod and donations start as low as just $1. Also, if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. Thanks so much for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save